0: Today, we have back with us Jared Melius. He is the pastor of Mount Zion Lutheran Church in Denver, Colorado. Welcome back, Jared. Thanks, Jason. We are looking at the gospel reading for the 13th Sunday after Trinity. It is the Good Samaritan with a bit added on to the front. That is Luke chapter 10, verses 23 to 37. I'll go ahead and read that from the English Standard Version, and then we can chat. Then turning to the disciples, Jesus said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. All right, context. uh, Where does this fall in the Gospel of Luke, and does it help us understand what Jesus is on about in this parable?
1: Yeah, I knew you were going to ask that, um, and so I looked at the context, which is actually, I'd never known this, or I'd never, I, I hadn't realized it, or if I did, I forgot, because I forget more than I, than I even remember, but in um, just, the, this is right after the sending out of the 72, and they're returning, and they're kind of yep. <laughs> rejoicing over how the demons submit to them, and Jesus said, you should rejoice about something, but not that, you should rejoice that your names are written in heaven, And then the Lord says a prayer and thanks the Father in heaven in verse 21. So this is just two verses before our text begins. He thanks the Father that he has hidden these things from the wise and understanding and that he's revealed them to children. That's his gracious will. Then he says in verse 22, all things have been handed over to me by my Father and no one knows Uh, who the son is except a father and who the father is except a son and anyone to whom the son chooses to reveal him and then he turns to the disciples this is verse 23 and says privately blessed are the eyes that see what you see so i had always just thought i'd assumed automatically you know i'd got i'd wanted to get to the good samaritan (laughs) and so i kind of skipped over these couple verses but i i just assumed that he was telling the disciples that they're blessed because they get to see all this great stuff that he's doing Mm -hmm. um I just, I mean, I, and that they get to hear all the things that he's teaching with their own ears. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's actually, I think there's more, there's far more to it than that, because this is in the aftermath of verse 22, where he says, in verse 21, where he says that the father in his wisdom will hide things from certain people and reveal things to certain people who would otherwise not be able to see them. Mm-hmm. And so by his own mercy, he's opening eyes And he's also closing people's eyes in their stubbornness and then says to his disciples, blessed are the eyes that see what you're seeing. So your eyes are opened. That means you're not just lots of people are looking at what I'm doing, but they're not really seeing it. But you're seeing what I'm doing and you're actually seeing it. That means you've been given faith. You've been given the eyes of faith. And the same thing with your ears. Um, Lots of people are hearing my words. You know, I mean, that's Mm -hmm. one thing. But you're blessed because you're hearing and believing. I mean, this is actually not just going in one ear and out the other, not being plucked away by the devil. But you're hearing and believing, and you are blessed. And that's a gift of the Holy Spirit. So this is a, this is this is actually quite beautiful
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, in the context.
0: So that um, so that they would hear perhaps the parable of the good Samaritan differently well, than the lawyer did.
1: Maybe. Well, the, so th- then you get the <laughs> you get an example. Of a guy who's seeing lots of things and hearing lots of stuff, and but he's not seeing really, and he's not hearing. So you have this beautiful example uh, of, because kind of a negative example in the in the instance of the lawyer. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. Heath Curtis has this uh, paper. Um, it's, it's actually an article that was included in what we have lovingly called the Fritz Schrift, so the Festschrift <laughs> for Fritz Eckert. And and it's about this passage, about the Good Samaritan, and how, um, at least you know, in Luke's gospel, there is a certain allegory that runs here that for those who have ears to hear the way the disciples have here that has been revealed to them, they, they have a, a further teaching from Jesus about his death and resurrection. But for those who do not have ears to hear and eyes to see they only see they've got to go do something and it's there to condemn them um and yeah. he he brings this out in his in his paper and and it's pretty convincing to me
1: yeah i th- i'm familiar with his argument i i might uh, i might take a contrary position on that and i could probably be convinced otherwise um but i'm familiar with that i think that approach and i either read the article or heard him talk about this In the last year or two or something like this, I wonder though. I, I wonder if the blindness of the of the lawyer that's coming is not that he can't. It's not that he can't see the gospel that's sort of hidden in the Lord's words, at least hidden to him. But, but that for him that he really can't even see the law. I I wonder if it's Mm -hmm. the law that isn't what's hidden to him. So, so he's going to come and ask Jesus. You know, tell us what what's the way to heaven? How do I inherit eternal life? What do I have to do? And then who's my neighbor? And so this accomplishment of the actual real law of God given in the scriptures is entirely an ap- academic ac- exercise for him. Um, in fact, I was I was checking in on, on Edersheim again, just because it says, I, I, w- I actually wanted to know what lawyer meant, namikos in the Greek. Mm-hmm. And uh, we translate it lawyer. I don't really like that translation, not because it's wrong. It's just we ha- we have what we think of as our lawyers and it's not helpful.
0: Um, yeah. we, we think of a, them as civil authorities.
1: Yeah, a, civ- a civil lawyer, an attorney or something like that. So, but this is mm-hmm. obviously a religious lawyer. Um, Edersheim says this is probably an expert in Jewish canon law of some sort. So this is a religious guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but from 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 the way that he talks about it, and I think this is helpful, he says this question where it says, in verse twenty-five, it says, "And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, or tempted him." Parado is the Greek, saying, "Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life?" That that tempting. See, I'd always read that as he he's Luke is telling me he's an enemy, and he's after Jesus. He's trying to trap him, like the Pharisees. Um, Edersheim says, "No, he's probably not like these boisterous Pharisees um, down in Jerusalem or whatever, but that this is kind of more." an academic pursuit. He says, this is, and I quote, this was part of rabbinism. Um, mm-hmm. This is just kind of what they, in fact, I have a quote from Edersheim that I thought was helpful. Let me see if I can flip back and find it again. Yeah, he's, so this is what he says about such, So, because I think to understand the parable of the Good Samaritan, you, you not only need to know what questions were being asked and what, what mm-hmm. Jesus is responding yeah. to, but what sort of guy is asking the question. So here's anyways, what Edersheim says, and I think it's helpful. He says, indeed, this was part of rabbinism and led to that painful and fatal trifling with truth. When everything became matter of dialectic subtlety and nothing was really sacred. What we require to keep in view is that to this lawyer, the question which he propounded was only one of theoretic and not of practical interest nor matter of deep personal concern. Right. So so in, in other words, the picture painted of the, of this so-called lawyer is one who just likes to argue about the law as a, sort of as a position, as an academic exercise. Hmm. But who, who maybe just doesn't care that much about what he actually has to do. So on two different occasions, you know, the Lord says, yeah, go do. Do this. Go do it. You know, they, he doesn't say, do you understand what I'm saying now? Or, you know, do you get it? Um, the, the idea is, look, you don't, hey, guy, you you don't need any more knowledge. You know the stuff. You just need to do it. Act need it. To actually, yeah, you got to be serious about this. Yeah. And that's um, clear.
0: Uh, it, that seems to be clear, right? That you have um, Jesus saying that his answer is correct. And then immediately he says, do this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The first answer is correct. Mm-hmm. um but the, but the second <laughs> the second question is a disaster so that's what like this could have ended so i mean we're at where are we verse 25 yep. says uh, behold a certain lawyer i'm in the new king james stood up and tested him saying teacher what shall i do to inherit eternal life it's sort of like you know what's your position um, can we kind of grapple with this and and um, challenge each other and whatever and verse 26, so he said to him, Jesus said to him, what's written in the law? What's your reading of it? So he's kind of he's kind of going back and forth, verse 27. So he answered and he said, uh, you know, here's my position. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. That I think is a Bible quote. And then your neighbor is yourself, right? And then Jesus doesn't kind of engage. He says, yeah, fine. You've answered orthos, You're, that's orthodox, right? You're right. right, so do this and you'll live. Um, and he's done. I mean, this is a, (laughs) this is just an academic conversation. It seems so far, uh, but it's in verse 29 when, at least as I read this, when this guy then asks the question, okay. And it's very academic for him. All right. And who counts as my neighbor? Right. So the second part there, I, I mean, just, I picture this as Jesus suddenly getting his shackles up really seriously like this now. Did you just ask that question? And so the whole parable is Jesus' way of kind of taking the guy by his lapels and throwing him against a wall and saying, did, what did you just say? You're trying to qualify the word neighbor? Um, now, I, uh, I, think, I think you're right about this, that the reason this is so likely and I, and I can only say this likely because I, I don't wanna read between the lines on this, um, but I think the reason this is so offensive to Jesus, that question, who is my neighbor, is because the Lord Jesus himself is the only one. So when Jesus comes to, to live for us perfectly, according to the law of love, he loves with full compassion like the Samaritan does, and even more so, and he has no exceptions. So he doesn't have this abstract list of individuals who don't count as his neighbor he has no such list he loves fully and when the guy then says okay so i'm supposed to love my neighbor um, clearly we all understand that that can only apply to certain people right <laughs> that, that's implying that jesus could have ever come into this world and loved fully it's implying that he could have done that and had a theoretical list of people that he didn't need to love. And Mm -hmm. that is offensive. I mean, here's the example I think of. um, I thought about this for a long time. Uh, It's like if I went to my kids tomorrow at breakfast or something, and I said, look, I I have a question for you all. uh, what, uh, What do you all think, in your opinion, is necessary for a person to be a good mom or a good dad? And if, if, let's just say my kids responded and said, well, basically just need to make sure we have food, mm-hmm. right? And I guess make sure we don't die or something. That's about it, right? I mean, yeah. maybe we got to have clothes or something. <laughs> well, that, that would be hurtful. That would be, that would be offensive. I would say to them, what? You, you think that's all? That's it? That's mm-hmm. all that's required to be a good dad? Well, you know what about like what about loving you in the middle of the night when you're puking or what what about counseling you what about uh, what about when you're in pain and what about the tears I've shed what about that you know I mean <laughs> what about how I've emptied my entire life and existence for the sake of you people that sort of thing <laughs> and, and you think all that's required is to make sure you have cereal in the morning it's, so I I think that I think what Jesus' his response here, this parable, is just so powerful because, in fact, he wants to persuade us of that that the extent of his own love, the extent of his saving us, is so much more expansive and beautiful than what this guy had in his mind. I don't know if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Well, um, I, you know, it, it's difficult because this passage and and perhaps we're getting into the actual discussion here but this passage is used to say that everyone is your neighbor yeah right so 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 the difficulty here is yeah for Jesus everyone is right but here it's those who are you draw near to so he's pointing out that it's not everyone it's those who you have drawn near to and who are in need that you can help?
1: Yeah, right? that is so right. That is it is one of my biggest pet peeves when people say that the 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 moral of the story is that everyone is your neighbor. <laughs> I, I think I I think maybe you could say that anybody could be your
0: neighbor. Oh, um, that's a great that's a great way of thinking about it. Not everyone, but, but anybody could be.
1: Yeah. Well. Right. So the problem with saying everyone is my neighbor is everyone is not a person. Everyone doesn't have a name or injuries yeah. or a face. Um, so this is, the, this is the issue when we say uh, it's, it's an abstraction. It's making my neighbor an abstraction. And when I make my neighbor an abstraction, I'm doing nothing different than what this lawyer did. He just wanted a list of not neighbors. An abstract list of people that he didn't have to love, and correspondingly, an abstract list of people that he could love or would love. And I think part, at least a major part of the parable, is that you cannot abstractify <laughs> your neighbor. Your neighbor is concrete with a name and a face. So that if I say, um, if I say, everyone is my neighbor, well, Okay, I mean, what am I actually supposed to do here? Am I supposed to, you know, feed everyone in the whole city of Denver? Do I have to empty my entire savings account in order to feed the people in China or something if everyone is my de- Well, look, mm-hmm. no, because the people in China are not my neighbor. And the people in Denver are not my neighbor, you know, the, but there are people that the Lord will just throw on the road in front of me and I will know their name probably or I at least will see their face and I will see their condition. And those people have become my neighbor. That's the word placeon in the, in the Greek, the word, as I understand it, that Greek word simply means like near one, a person near to you. Yeah. And it makes it concrete. So I just don't stop, just stop saying everyone is your neighbor because it just, it, it minimalizes Mm -hmm. the parable of the good Samaritan and it makes it unachievable. I mean, the point of the parable is, you should actually do this. And if the point is everyone's my neighbor, I can't do that. It's not, it's not physically possible for it. Even for a perfect human being, Adam and Eve could have never loved everyone. Mm -hmm. Right. But I'm actually expected to genuinely and with my heart, love my neighbor. I mean, that's what the Lord is teaching. It's the law and it's beautiful. It's just,
0: it's just glorious. So, is this a place that you then would talk about who has done this? Um, In other words, are we just giving like Christian instruction on how to live?
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, I think we are. (laughs) We we need to, right? Yeah. That's where great. So that's where I'm going to not maybe be super popular. It's kind of a funny thing. Um, I, 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 I don't know how many different sermons I've heard on this from Lutheran pastors and other pastors and it's so, so common uh, to hear right out of the gates, somebody say something like this. Um, this parable is commonly understood as being mostly about the law. Uh, but here I'm to tell you that actually it's mostly about the gospel or something, which is, yeah, yeah. I think, entertaining on this, on this level. It's a little bit entertaining because I've never actually heard anybody. I, 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 I don't recall, and I could be wrong, I don't recall ever hearing a sermon Except maybe from me, I guess, of a Lutheran sermon where somebody mainly taught this as a parable of the law.
0: They all <laughs> teach it as a
1: parable of the gospel, and they all say everyone teaches it as law, but everyone I've ever heard teaches it as mainly gospel. So, I, I actually, I, I think I, I don't know what the warrant is in the actual text, unless you're reading in between the lines, of considering this to be mainly a gospel text. I. I mean, it's, he says, go and do likewise, do this and you will live. This is, these are law words. So I think I I don't, I, I just want to caution in my, this is just my position. And I realize there's, I'd be disagreed with on this, but my position is that the gospel in this text, if it's there, and I think you it, it can be, I mean, it can, Luther does it, but the gospel in this text can't be taken quite seriously until the law is taken seriously first. Mm -hmm. And this is a beautiful, beautiful law parable. It's just because it's a parable doesn't mean it's not mainly about the law. Um, So I I think that has to be taken. I I think we need to understand what the Samaritan actually did um, Mm -hmm. before we then move on to saying, oh, yes. And um, this is, in fact, also beautifully what the Lord Jesus has done for us. This is a, in a sense, a picture. Although the best picture is is the cross of Christ. Mm-hmm. In a sense, this is a picture of what Jesus has done for us. But before we can get to that picture, let's not skip to what what actually this is asking of us. That's my, that would be my view.
0: Well, would you want to do it in reverse? And what I mean by that is, so if we are, you know, going to have things in their proper place, would you not want to lead with? how this is what our lord has done for us now go and do likewise as the parable seems to indicate
1: yeah i i mean I, luther does it both ways if i remember i See? Um, i checked water. one of my one of his sermons today although i have i have three of luther's sermons on this mm-hmm. and most of what luther does for whatever this is worth most of what luther does is dwell upon true love here, Mm -hmm. as opposed, as you can imagine, as opposed to the monks (laughs) who do not advocate true love. um, But we should truly love, according to our vocation, from our hearts with true compassion. And that's what this is teaching. And then somewhere, as I recall, Luther might have a paragraph in his sermons that say something like, and this is a beautiful picture of what the Lord has done. And the sermon I read this morning from him, uh, he said that at the outset, if I remember there's another sermon that I read where he closed with that paragraph and said this by the way is a beautiful picture of Jesus. Yeah. But he doesn't dwell upon it, but it mm-hmm. is there and I think yeah. that's
0: that's good. Well you raise a question for me then, you know how Luther <laughs> handles this focusing on what true love looks like as opposed to his specific example and his day are the monks. Right. So in our day, who would we, um, you know, put in the place of the monks or whoever Luther's railing up about in his day, who are seen as really having true love, but aren't actually engaging in it? Because you got to put flesh on this, right? It can't just be um, sort of abstracted.
1: Yeah. Um, you. Well, I. Y- that this is the hard part is that um, the t- the parable is fighting against abstractions. So it's not really saying who should I love, but it's fighting against the very notion of having anyone that I would disclude. And mm-hmm. so f- I I can't really can I I can't really do that for any of the people that are listening to my sermon. They they all probably have a certain varied um, kind of abstract list of individuals that they don't think they should have to love and that could be like in this parable it could be a certain people group or ethnicity or race we do need to actually address that i think this is one of these places in the text the bible hates racism it it so we we shouldn't let the critical theory people of steal the thunder on this we have got to get out there and be against racism and if it's present and it if it's not present we're the first people in the history of the world where it's not right we've got to get out just constantly be teaching people to fight against any sort of sense inside of ourselves or despising of certain people groups that's what this is that's what the Jew, the Jews hated the Samaritans. Likewise, the Samaritans hated the Jews. And Jesus is just absolutely destroying that
0: here. Yeah, but we should be careful to define racism right—not how the culture does, but how God would have us actually have interaction with other peoples who are different from us.
1: Yeah, yeah. I because usually so,
0: when we hear racism, you know, we hear actually what's going on. Now, so um, that doesn't mean that we don't have. um, I I guess the question would be: Do we actually have hatred of of other groups of people now within the Missouri Synod?
1: Um, Yeah, maybe. I mean, I I I I don't know. know.
0: I mean, I don't know. I think most Missouri Synod people are quite open, um, unless you're of a certain vintage that went through World War II or Vietnam. That this is not the you know that this is not, you have some of that probably still you know with us who they're distrusting of you know what they saw and endured uh during during those conflicts but i mean i don't i don't hear kind of blanket statements other than perhaps some truisms that are not unlike say saint paul you know quoting a cretan that's saying all cretans are liars
1: yeah. Yeah, I think it's better now. Um, and even if it's complete, even if the, even if what we've called racism in the past is gone, now let's just mm-hmm. let's just say that's the case. Let's just say it's gone. Um, it it will return so quickly and so easily. Um, just mm-hmm. ha, just something politically can happen. A war can spring up, and it just it's almost. Like, I I probably shouldn't be doing, I shouldn't say this, but it's just, it's shocking to me how quickly we suddenly, when there's a war, some strange war on the other side of the world between two different peoples um, who are just really closely related, how we've (laughs) all just picked one side from the gut and gone with it. Um, Yeah. I I don't know all the details of this conflict but boy yeah. it is so hard for me to believe that one side is just so in the r- right well that i mean that di- that didn't take a lot of persuasion on my part yeah. to be on to instinctively choose one side where'd that come from i'm not anyway I don't, I don't i'm not trying to persuade people that they're racist when they're not but yeah if the bible constantly and it does old testament new testament paul's constantly addressing addressing the problem if the and Jesus is doing it here, if the if 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 the Bible's constantly warning against it, it's probably because we need to be warned against it, and at least to keep up our guard. Yeah. At, the, at the very yeah. least, maybe it's not a matter of you know race. That word is ambiguous. I know that, but mm-hmm. but it's almost certain that we all have a certain group of people that, whether it's political or whether it 's just somebody who we're mad at or a, a family yeah. that we're mad at or just somebody we 've probably got somebody who like get that you talk maybe talk to a you talk to a husband and wife who are fighting with each other for instance and um and you 'll say to her or to him let's just say to him uh, you know how, what, what, why did you why did you say that to her um aren't you required to love your neighbor as yourself and then he will say something like Oh her, well after she said that to me, she's not my neighbor. She doesn't deserve my love. She's I'm like I'm 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 done with her or whatever. You know that sort of statement. That that that's that's precisely what this lawyer is getting after. Yeah,
0: yeah. I I just want to be kind of careful in terms of because you know God created the nations. He created. I mean, if, if we're looking at you know the kind of the root of races you know he created all the variations it's not as though we need to flatten that and that's kind of what i hear in kind of the charge of racism today is that we just need to be an amorphous amalgamation of people instead of having the distinct and noticing that they're distinct and different um and so you know if we're being warned about really hating someone just because they're different from a different um, locale in the world or loving someone because they're from a particular locale from the world. Great. Um, I'm just really, maybe I'm just really turned off about that term now because how it's been kind of lorded (laughs) over us.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's because so, Critical race theory needs to be addressed. It is a theology, and it is false. It is unChristian, and we have got we've got to get out in front of it. But it's just a, it's that the Bible is so concerned about the particular problem of selecting people groups mm-hmm. that maybe in a certain way we should have been out in front of this sooner. Um,
0: well, uh, being a respecter yeah. of persons, or 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 something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so um, so we're reticent to say who we would fill in for the monks. <laughs> um, well,
1: who would you fill in? I don't know.
0: Well, um, I, you know, it may, maybe I would approach it this way. Maybe I wouldn't put in um, the monks per se, but maybe I would talk about um, notice that the Samaritan didn't just throw money at it. Yeah, notice right. that he took time. Um, notice that he did something beyond write a check. Um, Not that you shouldn't write checks, not that you (laughs) shouldn't throw money at problems, but it's, so in other words, perhaps our problem is a different, um, the monks, uh, or according to Luther, right, they did one thing and thought that was good enough and that it was higher. Um, What are the things that, what are the ways in which we go about serving neighbor that really aren't serving neighbor so what are the things that we're neglecting even though we're doing part things and this is often the case you you see this kind of like you know in the tired examples of mom uh, uh, of fathers you know i went out to work and so then they come home and they're just completely absent from raising the kids in the way that they should go in the fear and admonition of the lord or playing with them or uh, perhaps helping with homework or whatever the case is that we look at the one thing we did and we ignore all the other ways in which it can be done and should be done. Mm -hmm. So maybe we could approach it that way. In what way are we um, doing one thing, but we're neglecting perhaps weightier matters? You know, The older women are not training the younger women in how to love their husbands and family and be workers at home. Or the older men are not training the younger men on certain things. What are the things going on where we're neglecting how this Samaritan is being a neighbor? Huh.
1: Yeah, that's. I'm, I'm I'm just processing what you're saying. I'm just, I'm trying to interface it with what what happens here in the parable, the actual thing that happens. It's kind of a what 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 ha, what happens there is something emergent, like all of a sudden a thing springs on these three guys. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like it's their kids that are there every day all the time. That's it's fine. I'm not disagreeing with you, but it's that. God, this I don't want to be cliche, but there's a car accident or, or somebody in the congregation something terrible happens to them, and you know how can so bam there it is. And what's my immediate response uh, yeah. to that? Um, anyway, it might just be helpful to actually look in some amount of detail to what actually happens in the the actual account, which is at verse 30, if that's all right. Um, Mm -hmm. So the the parable, Jesus answered and said, this is the actual parable proper. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves. I don't, just for me, I don't find that Jerusalem-Jericho connection to be, I mean, maybe it's significant. I think probably that's just a known-to-be-dangerous road, like a guy was in, I don't know, the slums of LA or something, whatever a dangerous place would be, and he fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, Hmm. and parted, leaving him half dead.
0: Isn't there, Jared, in the Old Testament, when Joshua and the people of Israel, when they conquered Jericho, isn't it not said, like, this should not be rebuilt?
1: Yeah. It is said that.
0: Okay. So is there anything to... Uh, it looks like it is rebuilt. <laughs> yeah. So well, who no, rebuilt already it? In the Old
1: Testament, I can't remember where we're told that it was rebuilt, but it's explicit in the Old Testament it was rebuilt. And it was dealt with. Well, I, that's all I can remember. Yeah. And it's, it's quite a bit later. It's like in Samuel or something where it gets rebuilt. It's amazing. Okay. So
0: S- so, so it is rebuilt, right? And yeah. I- I- is there a is there something is a conclusion that we, or, you know, a logical inference that we should have from the fact that he uses Jericho and Jericho's history. I think
1: the best you can say, uh, you, you and you probably know me well enough, Jason, that I, I think the the best we can say on something like that is maybe that's the case. Um, <laughs> okay. And I, and I, just, I, could, I, maybe just doesn't go very far with me um, since because since it's not explicit the be, that's the, that's just the best i would be able to do maybe there's something here about
0: well what do you mean explicit um, because it is explicitly saying jericho
1: sure but then the 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 conclusion that there's a theological significance built into that particular route of jerusalem to jericho i just don't and I, th- I think Jesus is just giving an example. Okay, you know the road—the one from Jerusalem to Jericho—it's pretty nasty. Let's just say a guy's on that road. Okay. I mean, to, um, so I, f- for me, I, I, I'm this is just me. I'm not going to make a big a big conclusion out of that. Mm-hmm. those particular, is that locations.
0: typically? I mean, so I just want to press you on it. Not that I disagree, but <laughs> is is that typically how Jesus operates? That. Uh, you know, that he just says, okay, let's just take a standard row that we know it is kind of like bad, or does he use things very deliberately?
1: Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, okay. I what what I want to do is just stick to what he actually says deliberately, like go and do likewise, or which of these three yeah. is a neighbor? Obviously, the, I, I so, know,
0: I I get that. The qu- but what I'm saying is, so, so if he's, um he is deliberately saying Jerusalem to Jericho. On the one hand, you're drawing a conclusion that says this is just a standard route. On the other hand, someone is asking the question, but what if there's more to it? It's still based on what he clearly stated, isn't it? Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah.
1: Right. I, but So I, I just, I'm, I, from the pulpit anyways, I, yeah. I generally want to be able to say, thus saith the Lord. Um, yeah. And I, so I want to, I, I want to be able to have certainty. And I, that doesn't mean that I don't quite often say maybe uh, <laughs> this indicates or it could be. It's possible that yeah. But I want to be as clear as I can that this is a possibility and that's the yeah. best that I can do. Why did Jesus point out these two cities? I'm just not sure it doesn't because it doesn't. It doesn't say. I know. I'm, and does it matter?
0: <laughs> I, maybe the th- maybe the bigger question is: Does it really matter for the point of the parable?
1: Right. I'm wanting to get to yeah. Because I'm wanting to get to the Samaritan, and then you know, yeah. I'm a I'm, I'm a sort of a dead orthodox bronze guy. Um, just for the record, I, I love the liturgy and I love the Lord's Supper, but I that I mean on these sorts of things, I'm I'm I just want to get to the to, to the tertium compartionis or the point the main point. Yeah. So. So he, so you've got then you got a guy who I think by having all these de- by including all these details, Jesus means for me to t- to take his position. So I'm so I am now to put myself in this guy's position. How, how, d- otherwise, why would he give all these kind of details? Like here I am now. I'm laying on the side of the road. I've been stripped of my clothing. Like I sometimes I don't realize that. I, I there I am on the side of the road and I am naked on a road. And I mm-hmm. am wounded, so I've got blood all over me, and there's nobody coming. So the, the guys departed. I am on my last breath. It says I'm half dead, and so just put yourself into his position. That's I think the point that 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 Jesus is. I, I'm supposed to enter into, in a sense, the parable, and where I enter into um, in, into any given parable is, you know, I mean mm-hmm. that's like going to be up for debate. But I think here, I. I'm supposed to be the Samaritan. And that's because Jesus is going to challenge me at the end. He's going to say, now, yeah. look, you're in that position. Who's a neighbor to you?
0: Like, yeah. Who would you rather so have do come you, along? So do you, make, uh, um, do you make any big deal about the the word here for a man, anthropos, instead of on air, that he's thinking of like human beings, like one of your fellow human beings is there you know, the way that we would point out to the abortion person, the unborn is fully human? Or is that just... um,
1: I don't think I would. I I haven't thought about it. It does say a certain a a tis, the word is tis, a certain man, a certain singular man um, went down. Um, And I, I think we can apply this to, you know, abortion or you know, a, a a person, a little baby girl in the womb or something, but not mm-hmm. until we apply it to ourselves. The, ba- yeah. the basic, what we're going to get to the end is the golden rule. And the golden rule is going to basically ask the question, not how should I treat people, right? But how would I want to be treated? So not who's my neighbor, but who would I want to be a neighbor to me? Um, mm-hmm. That's the basic, that, so he's, he's forcing that question on this on this lawyer. So what he's saying to the lawyer then is, okay, just put yourself in this guy's position. Say you're half dead. You're naked. You're laying there on the side of the road. Say, say I'm in uh you know, I go, I I go down to downtown Denver and I'm walking in some alley for whatever reason. And I get beat up, stripped. I'm naked there. I'm dying. My kids are at home wondering where I'm at. My wife's wondering, they're calling everybody's uh, terrified to death. She's a half a breath away from being a widow. My kids aren't going to have a father there. I am laying there. Um, and, and I'm desperate. And so he, now he says, verse 31 now by chance, a certain priest came down that road. Uh, now, this is just profoundly good fortune for the man because a priest, mm-hmm. presumably, this guy is guys, a Jew, this is excellent. This would be like by chance, my pastor, I mean, I don't know, but by chance, an elder at my church came walking by in that very, very alleyway. It was amazing. He's my people right? He's this is a Jew. This is a fellow church member. This is somebody that I trust. Uh, he's a, he's, he's a fellow Republican. I lo- these are my guys. Right. And so mm-hmm. clearly he's going to stop to help me. And what does he do? It says midway through 31. And he saw him and he passed by on the other side. So I you know what in the world happened here. He looks at the, I guess he reasons, uh, this guy's not going to make it. I can walk away. No one will know. He's going to die anyways. Um, I'm getting out of here. It's too messy. Verse thirty-two. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked, and he passed by on the other side. Um, I'll be darn, another one of the elders, or another one of my people, comes by, and and what good fortune! And he passes, and um, and I can't believe it. My people have have let me down here, and not only that, but they know better, right? They 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 their conscience pricks them. And I know that because when it says he saw him, in both cases, and passed by on the other side, we need to make, just make note of that. Why would they pass by on the other side? It's so either so they don't have to look at him, mm-hmm. um, so they don't have to hear their groaning, they don't have to hear their request, they make every effort so that they don't, so that their conscience isn't burdened by their neighbor who's laying mm-hmm. there. And it's devastating. I mean, it's horrible. In, in effect, what what both the priest and the Levite are doing is, is subtly asking the question somehow, well, you know, who is my neighbor? <laughs> I, the guy's gonna die. This is my children are actually my neighbor, and maybe there's still people in waiting. You know, are the robbers gone? Um, isn't this gonna, I mean, think of all the dangers uh, and so forth. And so they, they rationalize a way to, to keep on going and not help and they pass by the other side. I don't, by the way, Jason, I, I know this, this is, I hear this all the time. Um, the priest and the Levite, they couldn't have stopped. Why? Because if they touch blood or, you know, something
0: like this. A dead this, body, they, then they're.
1: Yeah, right. Unclean. Ritually
0: or unclean.
1: Yeah. I just, I am so unpersuaded about those kind of arguments. Um, maybe that they could use that as a rationalization to evade the real issue here, but it just seems so clear to me. That they should stop. They should have absolutely stopped and they made up reasons in their mind to pass by on the other side. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, verse 33, um, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. So now the Samaritan, I, we don't need to rehearse this. The Samaritans are hated and probably certain ways justifiably so, at least biblically. The Samaritans were horrible. Um, I mean, at least in generally speaking, in the history of the thing. So, the, so mm-hmm. th- there was. Genuine, deep-seated hatred. So if I like, you know, I mean, this is me. I'm in downtown Denver. I'm there bleeding. My family's wondering where I'm at and and who comes by. But a uh, boy, I do some gangster with 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 tattoos all over his eyes and um, and maybe he was the friend of the people who did this to me. I don't know. But this guy, oh great, um, yeah, th- this guy's probably going to make fun of me or kick me while I'm down. Something like this. He sur- surely wouldn't. You put you. So you got to put into your mind the person that you're just sure would never stop to help a person like you, right? Because they hate yeah. you. If they, whatever Whoever that person is, well, for this guy, it would have been a Samaritan. It's a person you wouldn't have thought to be your neighbor, you wouldn't have wanted to love him. Well, he he comes by, and he came where he was. Um, I don't think we should. I don't think we should just skip past that. It says when he saw him, he had compassion. Verse 34 says so. He went to him, and that. That in itself is just glorious. It uh, think of the danger that he's facing. This is a this is a Jew. Um, it, this could be a setup. It, the, as I said, the robbers might still be there. There's terrific danger. The guy probably has a family. He has a mm-hmm. life to go on with. What ah, I could think of a hundred reasons why not to stop, and he just won't. He it, it, he doesn't even have to think about it. He sees him. He has compassion. It's just beautiful. The word, as you know, is a splagnitzday um so he didn't just say well what am i supposed to do here he didn't ask that he didn't have to ask that question he just he's he's just he's torn he immediately the guy immediately sees me and he thinks oh my god he probably has kids this is horrible his wife oh gosh this is this is awful and he runs to me it's just so glorious um so he goes to him. he bandages his wounds pours on oil and wine he's a so he's getting blood all over himself. He, um, mm-hmm. he puts it on, on his own animal. So he's not walking. He's got a, he, I mean, he has to walk. So the, so the guy's on his, he brings him to an end. What's, uh, what's so great about this is how Jesus goes on and on. I mean, Jesus is just talking. And he can tell mm-hmm. the story anywhere he wants to tell the story. What details he wants to put in, he can put in. And he, puts it, and he spends two long verses adding detail after detail after, at any point he could have stopped he could have just stopped that so he went to him and he bandaged his wounds and he poured on oil and wine okay maybe he could have mm-hmm. just stopped there and it would have been beautiful and good and i'd have still preached a sermon about how we should be like the good samaritan but G- <laughs> but jesus right just keep he keeps piling on as if as if to say i'm i'm just not going to stop so he he does that and he puts him on his own animal what and he brings him to an inn and he takes care of him. And now I know he's taking care of him all night long. So he's there with the guy in a hotel room, nursing him back to life. This would have been a huge pain. The guy's a businessman. All sorts of things are falling to pieces while he's away from business. Uh, he's there, verse 35, on the next day he departs. He takes out two denarii. That's, um, what's a denarii? Because we're saying a denarius has a day's wages. I don't know, what's a day?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's $300, $400, $500? dollars i don't, I'm not sure what. How you do that math. Yeah. But an de- unreasonable, but substantial chunk of money. He gives them to the innkeeper It says, Take care of him. Whatever more you spend, when I come again, I'll repay you. So he basically just, he does cut a check, but he, le- <laughs> he leaves the amount blank, right? And signs yeah. it and says, I mean, whatever it's going to cost, I'll do it. It's just, it's an absurd and beautiful amount of mercy. So in the end, verse 36, so which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? Now, the question is, who asked the question, who is my neighbor? Mm-hmm. Well, the first two guys figured out how to, how to ask that question, who's my neighbor? They rationalized this away. And it's real clear that the third guy did not. He just wasn't interested. If the third guy had asked the question, who is my neighbor? A clear answer would be, not a Jew. Sure, certainly hasn't been my neighbor in the past. Jews have hit, treated me terribly and
0: mm-hmm. vice
1: versa. He's not my neighbor. But he didn't ask the question. He was unwilling to ask the question. Um, And so the only answer that the guy can give, verse 37, he said, he who showed mercy on him. And it's right, I think that's pointed out here. He doesn't say the Samaritan. Jesus says it's a Samaritan. The guy doesn't say, he doesn't even want to say the word. The Samaritan was the guy, was the one who showed mercy on him. And so Jesus says, go and do likewise. Um, So it's just, I think it's helpful to recognize here that, that Jesus isn't just giving sort of instructions, here's how you do things. I, re- I, act, I think the example of the Samaritan shows us that the depth of our love, let's put aside the question for now, do I do this or even can <laughs> okay. I? Right. And just ask the question, what is the picture that he's showing me of what I should do? Mm-hmm. And the answer is a guy who does a lot and who does it from the very depths of his being? It's and and when I walk away from this, my in, my automatic conclusion is yes, that's right. Who would disagree with this? I don't care. You talk to any atheist and and show him a picture of this Samaritan and say, is this good? Should people live this way? And they'll say, if they're being honest, yeah, that's right. It's good. It's obviously this is the way people should be. Um, Mm-hmm. And that's the law and it's it's good. The law is good. That's why that's why now it accuses me so sharply because I'm in such agreement with how how perfectly and how good the Samaritan acts. And that's what yeah. that's what's happening to the lawyer, it's what happens with me. I mean I'm I don't know I'm, <laughs> I'm reading this parable thinking, yeah, it's so I I get it. That's the way I want to be. It's not out of duty. I want to be this guy. And sometimes I have been, and that's what makes it worse. I don't, I never, like when I was 19, I used to say, well, look at how well I've done. (laughs) I've done some of these things. Now that brings me no comfort. Now I say, I've actually done some of this. I've done this occasionally. I've done this partially. So now if I've done it partially, why, why if it's so good, do I not? Just do it all the time. Right? I mean I, I, I totally agree with it. Why don't I do this better? Um and it's devastating. It, it, it's because the it's because the picture of the Samaritan is so good that my sin and my failure in my love is so painful now and rough. Right? That I, mean, I so I what the parable at least has done for me is what I think it's meant. To do for the lawyer, also, it's supposed to just destroy him and flatten all of his efforts or whatever opinions mm-hmm. he has about the law. Anyway, I keep going on and on. I should probably stop. With, <laughs> no, that
0: off well, with I mean, you, I, I think your reaction is correct. Like this is beautiful, and I want to be this guy. But then you are immediately back to <laughs> what the lawyer says. Well. So even this guy and this guy, I would never stop. Yeah, right. I would, um, I would, be, I would be broke. I would be completely emptied. Is that what Jesus yeah. is actually calling us to do?
1: I, I, th- I think I, that's yeah, the question I th- that
0: every hearer has. Like if I were to do <laughs> this, um, I wouldn't be able to provide for my kids.
1: Oh, um, well, I mean, my kids are going to be some of the I mean, this is going to require some wisdom. I don't. I don't want to. I, I don't want to look at the parable and walk away from it saying, "impossible." I, I want to walk away from the parable and conclude what I think Jesus is saying. When he says, "Go and do likewise," I don't say, "Well, I can't do that." I think I want to say, "Okay, um, if you say go and do it, I'm not gonna. I am not i do not want to rationalize this away. I, yeah, that is apparently what I'm capable of doing, and it's precisely because I'm capable of doing it." That it's so rough that I have. Yeah. If I can uh, dismiss it right away and say I can't do it, impossible. Then the law. So you say we need to.
0: So you say we need to exercise some wisdom here. What do you mean by that? Like so, uh, inevitably, when this sermon comes up, or when this text comes up, and you preach that you're actually to do this uh, in Bible class, the question is. okay, so how? Like, so how does this happen when I drive to work and I will pass by how many people on my way to work who are standing on the corner with, um, I need food? Or how? How how does, how?
1: Yeah, Uh, well, how do you answer that question?
0: Yeah, because it would seem like we would actually need to include that in this sermon.
1: Okay, that... That I mean, I think that would be helpful. Um, I, what I it would seem to me that Jesus isn't answering that question here. I, I think the question he's asking is how not to. <laughs> like, re, here's what you don't say. You don't say, "I can't," because because that is what the the lawyer is saying. Mm-hmm. Like he like he's busy saying well, okay, this is very complicated, isn't it? Because I can't do this with everybody. So who really counts here? Who am I supposed to do this for? Who does not count as my neighbor? Who does? Let's get down into the weeds here. And and I don't think Jesus wants to get there yet. Maybe he he would once the guy has an understanding, right? That, but before you can begin to sift through how you do this with limited resources in complex real life scenarios, um, and what wisdom is required, and where should we go for this, you know, Romans 12, 13, and the Proverbs, and all these sorts of things, where, where, where there is actual real wisdom provided in the Bible, but before you can get to that, we need to be on the same page, that you cannot rationalize your hardened heart against your neighbor by saying, well, it, it's just too hard, and too complicated, it, no, mm-hmm. no, I mean, he is saying, not only should you do this, but you can, and and it's even good, and you agree that you should, because I just showed you a picture of the Samaritan who did it, right? <laughs> right. I mean, the so my, here's my point: the we jump so quickly to I can't do it that the law can't hit my heart in an ac- an accusatory way. the the law The law burdens me, and I and I need Jesus and His gospel, not when I say well, I can't do this. Right. But rather when I say I haven't done this and I don't do it mm-hmm. because that makes me culpable, which is what I am. When I say mm-hmm. I can't do this, I think I'm shifting culpability somewhere else. But when I say I haven't done it, I could, I've done it sometimes, but not the way I should have when I could have, and I don't do it. Mm-hmm. And it's horrible. I, I mean, that just, so that's what breaks me. Um, that's painful, <laughs> and so that that's what makes okay, now. Now, when I have the picture of the Lord Jesus who has done it for me perfectly, and it just so I don't, I don't, I don't know how I could breathe without without the release of His gospel, which which shows me. I mean, and I do think now this is where this is where we do. I, well, I, I I actually am that guy, and Jesus is Jesus mm-hmm. is the one who fully helped me and loved me. Um, yeah, and as the actual perfect example we should be like him, Philippians chapter two, who emptied himself, and and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's where the gospel becomes really, really comforting, is when it comes after I've real after the parable has has broken me up, uh, which is what it needs to do. I think that's what it was trying to do for the lawyer. Yeah. So,
0: so that's my so what Yeah. So, what kind of practical wisdom then would you add on to this, or would you not? Would you just leave it for Bible class? Um, no, I don't know if
1: I'd leave it for Bible class. I, it's just so, like, so to try to dive down into one's actual vocation in accordance with the Ten Commandments mm-hmm. is, is so different for all different people that it, it's going to be challenging. So, yeah, like, uh, somebody asked me this last week, okay, how best do I love family members who, are, who I can recognize are sinning? and who are also my parents? Um, Should I rebuke them because they're Christians or should I not rebuke them? And how, if I should rebuke them, how should I do that? Or should I just walk by? Well, (laughs) oh my gosh, that is such a good question and so individualized and unique. I don't Mm want to, I'm not dodging this, but there's just so many different scenarios um, that it's tough to I I think, I mean, maybe like I've already suggested, I think this is an opportunity here anyways to preach against, against selecting people groups Mm. that you're not like Democrats or Republicans or, or, or Muslims or, I mean, whoever it it might be. Um, I, I, I do think that's a thing that's on the Lord's radar and heart here. Um, So that could be one thing. Um, I think you could preach here um that you should you should know people's names um that that the Lord has put people in your life and so it's really hard to love them if you don't know their actual name and maybe <laughs> their jobs or something um and so that's a pretty good start um, yeah you should could maybe could talk this be to people.
0: yeah <laughs> could this be also um, a time to bring up practicing hospitality to those who cannot repay you, so that when you're called upon to do this, you are already practicing this.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, that'd be my thing. That'd be. It seems like did not Peterson do a thing about talking to people in the narthex one time? So what's your what's your Probably. effect doing hospitality there? Um, you, well, hospitality there would be like. <laughs> you what you're doing is you're opening yourself up all the time mm-hmm. when you get to know people and get into their lives you know their names you're it's they're going to end up calling you when stuff goes bad mm-hmm. and it's going to be irritating <laughs> like i get I, do i really want to deal with this person talking to me again and again and again about their divorce not really i mean it's a burden and i don't want to share their burden but i i should because the Lord has shared my burden and I want to do this and this is the right thing to do. And so I should get to know them, learn their names, maybe learn a little bit about their situation. And, um, so we do a fair amount of protecting ourselves. I know I do it as a pastor. Um, I, I I know, I know who's coming. Um, and I, and I know, I know what burdens are coming my way. And I, oftentimes I am the priest or the Levite. And I'm just, I just know it. the parable gets me every year. Um, and so we kind of got to just be open, uh, open ourselves up to having conversations with people and getting to know them, so that when it comes down to it, like you said, we can bear their burdens when their obvious burdens are are going to come. Yeah, yeah, that okay. can be practical. But look, that's like one thing out of. going to be a hundred things, and you can't do yeah. it all in Bible either.
0: Yeah, that's true. But I, your point is well taken that we should view this as something that our Lord is actually telling us to do and practice and not immediately say, well, that can't be done because I can think of all the times that it it, it couldn't. Instead, we're, we're to say, I haven't, and kind of just let that simmer.
1: Yeah. Yep. I People always ask, don't they ask you all the time in Bible study about the people who are begging for money on the side of the road? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean... Okay, that that's gonna require wisdom. Like I don't mm-hmm. I, I I can be honest and I can tell people I may have my heart might go out to those people. It doesn't usually. I usually despise them. I shouldn't. my heart should go out <laughs> to them, but I don't give them money. I'm not gonna yeah. give them money. Why I, that's not loving them. Um it, it mean, I don't know what that money is gonna So I, I think you need to unshackle the poor parable from the cliches about you know, p- p- stopping and helping people when their tire goes flat on the side of the road or something. Not that that's not fine, but that this this can have tons of different applications, um, and mm-hmm. it can be complicated. Um, but we, where we start is, this isn't hypothetical, it's very real.
0: Yeah. No, that's good. I, I like the phrase, unshackle from cliches, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because that that does really get to the heart of the matter. and. Um, and often we use the 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 cliche to get us out of it, don't we?
1: Yeah, that's what the I think it, because that's what the lawyer is trying to do. He's trying to mm-hmm. sort of, sort out what what sorts of abstractions can I introduce here to get yeah. me off the hook. He's, an, he's yeah. a he's a he's a he's a pure academic. Um,
0: yeah.
1: and this mm-hmm. is against an academic kind of law keeping and and toward an uh, an actual real. In-depth Christian kind of love that the Lord Jesus mm-hmm. has demonstrated, and that we should also seek to emulate.
0: Well, thank you, Jared. Uh, any final thoughts, or we're just going to leave it the way Peterson does?
1: I, <laughs> I had five things on my list, and as we went along, I checked each one of them. This this is against hypothetical law keeping. That um, that in some sort of way that that, that this is towards true contrition. Um, in the, in the quote school of experience as Luther would say that Uh is true contrition and thus true faith for this lawyer. And for me comes by actually trying to keep the real law of love and painfully failing and needing therefore Jesus. Um, That, that the Lord hates the question, who is my neighbor? that um we should never say that, or, or at least i don't think we should say everyone is my neighbor that's an abstraction and that this is against racism or whatever word you like better <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that's my point so i'm i'm out
0: all right thanks jared we'll talk to you later you
1: got it thanks jason